For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. Again with a Thursday edition this July 23rd, 2020. July 23rd, 2020, our fourth consecutive podcast. And I know most of y'all thought when I said that I was going to start doing them every day, you probably thought I was lying, didn't you? I mean, if I'm being honest, I kind of thought I was lying too. I didn't think I'd be able to pull it off, but I am. And here we are. I do need from you guys, though, whether you're on the YouTube or you're you're uh, listening on the podcast, I need you to go over to the social media and kind of give me some input on do you like these shorter podcasts better or do you prefer the longer ones? I know some of y'all are going to say... Longer and some shorter, uh, or I, should I say, I know some. I know some of you in particular. I know who you are. The ones that are going to say they want the longer ones, and that's fine. That's fine. I just we can't do an hour and a half, two hours every single day. Um, plus, you might not like me if you listen to me for two whole hours a day. I give you little short snippets, and it leaves you wanting more. That's the point. That's why we're doing it. All right, here we go. Uh, if you've been listening to me on Terrestrial Radio, been there all week, tomorrow's my last day. So if you are listening on July 23rd, 2020, tomorrow on the 24th, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m., The Matt Nani Show. It's Andrew McLean, Andrea Lindenberg, wrapping up an entire week of, of radio. Had fun doing that. So, And I'll be back again, but... 
That's not going to change the podcast. Now, most radio professionals would tell you to never do this. And there's probably a good reason for not doing it, but I do it anyway. I tell y'all, we're going to try to do X, Y, and Z without knowing for sure that we're going to do it. (laughs) And it probably drives some of you crazy. But I'm still going to do it. So tomorrow, what we're going to try to do is our conspiracy podcast we've been telling you all about. Trish, myself, we're going to do a long-form conspiracy podcast. Hopefully, hopefully tomorrow we'll be pulling that off. If we don't, I'll try to pump you out a regular podcast. But that is our intentions. So we will see. Y'all know all the places to find Over the Line on Facebook. You got it on Twitter. Uh, at Andrew McLean Who, at Andrew McLean Who on Parlor, and then right here on the YouTube. So we need a thousand subscribers on YouTube. There's no way around it. I need a thousand subscribers. So that means how many we currently have. Let's look. Let's just take a look, see here, and we currently have. Uh, well, we got 799. So we've lost a few of y'all. It is okay. That's okay. Some of y'all, some of y'all go. Uh, I understand. I need 201 subscribers on YouTube. So if you're watching this and you haven't subscribed yet, please do so. I would put a little fancy link right here where you could click on on the video, but I don't know how to do that. I need somebody to handle those things for me. So if you know, let me know. I did zero show prep for this podcast, which should surprise no one. Uh, I was flying in on two wheels trying to get here to put this thing out because I was running way, 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 way behind today. So I'm sweaty. I'm a sweaty mess. If you're wondering, that's why. It's because I was in a hurry. And um, that's also why we're running a little late. I like doing the podcast earlier in the day, like 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock. Works out better because then I have my nights open to do what I need to do. But since I wasn't here to do that today, that's why we're doing it now. Uh, There are some headlines out there I'm going to throw at you real quick. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? I'm flying by the seat of my pants. Keep in mind on that. Some of this news I haven't even heard yet, but we're going to break it down because that's what I do. One of the big ones is that Trump has canceled the GOP convention. That is correct. The, the, The Jacksonville, Florida part of the GOP convention has been canceled Trump held a press conference today. It was around 4 o'clock, I think. And he said, listen, I I talked to my team, and I said, it's time we got to cancel the the Jacksonville, Florida component of of the convention with with the threat of coronavirus. Now, he stuck to his guns for a long time. But he finally had to give in to the pressure. Which sucks, because this right here is a win for the Democrats. The Democrats wanted this convention canceled because they do not want the optics on TV, online, on social media of thousands of people in an arena cheering on the Republican nominee, Donald J. Trump. They don't want the optics of that. They've got to continue the narrative that Donald Trump is hemorrhaging supporters and that nobody in this country likes him anymore. Nobody supports him. 
Everybody thinks he's done an awful job at the coronavirus response. That's what they need you to believe. So they were 100% against this GOP convention. Donald Trump has made a bad move. But the problem is he is surrounded by people that are putting pressure on him to fold under coronavirus. And when I say fold under coronavirus, I mean give in to the hype. Give in to the numbers that aren't even accurate. And say, well, it, it is pretty bad, so I guess we're going to have to just cancel everything. That's, that's the MO. And y'all know this. The motive for the Democrats is to cancel everything until November. Not just conventions. They want to cancel debates. They want to cancel campaign rallies. They want to cancel everything having to do with, one, anything showing support for Donald Trump, and two, anything related to Joe Biden dealing with the general public. We have nothing to do with that. If there was no such thing as COVID-19 and everything was as normal as it was back in January, Joe Biden would be digging a deep, deep hole. Because what you would see is Donald Trump doing three to four rallies a week right now with thousands and thousands of people at each one, people lined up for blocks waiting to get into the arena, then thousands and thousands of people outside watching on a big screen. And you would also see Joe Biden in a bingo hall with a bunch of old people. When I say a bunch, I mean like 45 people talking about how he wants to take Donald Trump behind the buses and beat him up. That's what would be going on right now if it weren't for coronavirus. So each time that happened, that was a win for Trump. It was momentum for Trump. It was a chance for the American people to see that the media is lying to you yet again. The Democrats are winning that battle. They're winning the battle of keep that shut down. Keep keep everything campaign related shut down. We've got to protect people. But the biggest thing, the biggest thing is to keep the economy shut down. Keep the economy shut down, pump trillions of dollars into corporations, into businesses, and into average Americans' pockets, claim credit for it, the Democrats, that is, and then on election day say, look, Trump really screwed up. Yeah, we told you we had to keep the economy shut down, but it was Trump's horrible response to the coronavirus that put us in this position. And now you don't even have a job. You're relying on the government. You're miserable. Your family's mad at you. Life sucks. And the age-old question that's asked right before any election, is your life better today than it was four years ago? Most people, if we're in that position, most people that aren't decided voters will say, no, uh uh-uh. Right now, in America, no, it's not as good as it was four years ago. Well, we'll we'll say three years ago since Obama was president four years ago. 
They'll say no, uh-uh. Think about this. The coronavirus itself, forget the economic impact. Forget the social distancing and the stupid masks. Just the coronavirus being a thing makes things suck. But then you add all the other stuff in. You add the economic impact. And it's 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 a, it's going to be tough to tell to, to tell independent voters that y'all are doing all right. Just you know, keep everything the same. But back to my original point, the left wins, the Democrats win with the president folding up shop on the GOP convention. I was listening to that press conference live in my car. It was uh, like a press briefing deal. He came out there with some stats, coronavirus stats, whatever. And I had to rewind it because I'm like, sure, he didn't say they were canceling the GOP convention. But sure enough, he did. Now, the president, I got to give him props because here's what he's doing. Instead of sending Dr. Fauci out there and Dr. Burks, he's coming out there himself with the info. And he's laying it out for the media. And he's like, here's what we're doing. Here's the numbers we're looking at. Yada, yada, yada. This chart, that chart. Boom, boom, boom. And... We're moving on. Answers a few questions, then gets out of there. He's taking control of the thing. And, and I think most of that has to do with optics. I think most of that has to do with the visual of him being up there and seeming to take control of the situation, which he's had control of the situation for the entire time. Unfortunately, he's got a bunch of people around him that are dropping pressure on him to give in to these COVID numbers and keep everything shut down. That's what's going on. And unfortunately, they're making some leeway with the president on that front. So, um, looking also, what do we got? Da, 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 da. Even on the coronavirus front, Dr. Fauci said COVID-19 is almost your worst Nightmare. Of course, this is Axios reporting. The unique characteristics of this pandemic may not allow you to may not allow people to completely eradicate it. But health measures are good vaccines, and good vaccines should bring very good control, according to Fauci. Uh, driving the news, he said, "We are living right now through a historic pandemic outbreak, and we are right now in a situation where we do not see any particular end in sight." He said, we often talk about outbreaks and pandemics, be they influenza or other pathogens that have to have a few characteristics to make them particularly formidable. Well, this particular virus has that. For a public health official, this is almost your worst nightmare. He points out that uh, SARS-CoV-2 jumps species is a new pathogen with no known innate human immunity and is a respiratory-borne virus that is spectacularly efficient at spreading from human to human and has a substantial degree of... That's all yada, yada, yada. Uh, Okay, so uh, Dr. Fauci uh, doubling down that the worst is yet to come. Coronavirus is your worst nightmare. And be very, very afraid because the coronavirus is coming for you numbers are being put out uh the first one on the on the headline here says 2600 this is the number they're getting 2600 
positive cases per hour in this country. 2,600 new COVID cases every hour are being reported in this country. And believe what you will, you can believe that number. I personally don't. But let's say that the number is accurate. Say it's 100% accurate. There's no there's no sort of fudging of the numbers. There's no misreporting anything like that. We're getting 2600 new cases an hour. I've said from the very beginning this thing is going to run through the entire country. Everybody's going to get it. So as we run around washing and sanitizing our hands and wearing our little mask and everything else, just know, unless you plan on doing that for the rest of your life, you're probably going to catch COVID-19. So be ready. You're going to catch it. You're just delaying it. It's all you're doing. There's another headline that says a Marine that was assigned to Trump's helicopter squadron tested positive for COVID-19. Now, that doesn't mean he was on Trump's uh, helicopter. I guess Marine 1. Marine assigned to the military helicopter squadron responsible for transporting the presidents tested positive. Uh, The Marine assigned to Marine Helicopter Squadron 1 was tested on Tuesday and received the positive result on Thursday, adding that the squadron administers 80 to 100 tests per week. Now... Yes, he received a positive test, but he may not even be positive, we're finding out. Nonetheless, everybody's going to get it. you got to protect the vulnerable, and the longer we, we go, the longer we, we keep ourselves from realizing that, the longer this is going to go, the longer that the Democrats have control into causing fear to run rampant through this nation over this virus. It's a deadly virus, yeah. It kills people, yeah. I I know personally. I have friends who have had family members that have have contracted COVID-19 and died. They didn't die from COVID-19. They contracted COVID-19 and the the medical condition they, they already had got ramped up because of the virus, and that's what killed them. I know that. I know people that know people. Okay, I don't know anybody personally. But we know it's killing people. But so does a million other things on a daily basis. More so than coronavirus. Why are the Democrats not trying to scare the crap out of us about the flu? Why don't they have a campaign every year urging people to get the flu vaccine? Why? Why, why, why have the Democrats never talked about tuberculosis? Because it doesn't fit the political agenda. That's correct. It amazes me as I watch what at one time were, were for my perspective, respected news anchors on different channels. Watching them bow down to the coronavirus panic the pandemic panic and add to the fear that's being doled out to everybody. If I can see it, I know they can see it, so why are they buying into this mess? That's what I'm asking. On the economic front of the chaos that we're dealing with, 
I saw an article from Forbes that said um, that uh, they've got confirmation that there will be another round of stimulus checks equaling the same as they did last time, $1,200. I guess that's $2,400 for, uh, for married couples. So plan on that happening. We had Mo Brooks on the Matt and Ani show this morning on Talk 99.5. And I tried to I tried to ask him some questions related to the stimulus and related to unemployment in particular. And apparently he hadn't had his morning coffee or something, but he turned into an angry old man and started beating his chest and talking real loudly. So I never got my question in. I just kind of threw my hands up. But outside of the stimulus check... You've got a lot of people that are still out of work and the unemployment benefits that have the $600 from the Fed added to it, they end next week, which is going to put a lot of people in a bad position. My question is, and I've heard this proposal coming out of Washington, D.C., so maybe they should do that. Instead of just stripping away the 600 and expecting people who are still out of work to survive on $275 a, a week. Why not make a tier system, calculate what people were making pre-COVID, and then give them 70, 60 to 70% of what they were making. Don't give them what they were making when they were working. Don't give them more than what they were making when they were working. Of course, don't give them more. That kills the incentive to go back to work. But give them less. Give them enough to survive, but not to go out and have fun. Give them enough to survive and enough to realize, hey, I've just got money to put food on the table and pay bills, but if I go back to work, I can go out on the weekends. If I go back to work, I can pay my bills and go get wasted at the bar on Saturday. If I don't, then I'm just paying my bills and sitting at home and twiddling my thumbs. That seems like a good idea to me, instead of just throwing people to the curb. Now, this is something that I am normally in the Mo Brooks camp when it comes to unemployment, welfare, handouts, whatever. Not for people that live in extreme poverty or people that live in the inner cities that, that can't get jobs or disability or you know, government or crazy checks or what. We're not talking about that. We're talking about unemployment that is directly related to people who lost their job due to a virus, who lost their job under no fault of their own. These are the people I'm talking about. Whether it's four, eight, ten more weeks, whatever. I don't want you. I don't want you to. Do, do it until the election or do it till the end of the year. I'm just saying, tack on a few more weeks. Give them less than what they were making at their job. So when their job does come back open, if it's not already back open, they'll be incentivized to take it because they want more, they want more money. I agree with Mo that you can't give people more money than they were making at their job because who in the Lord's name would go back to work to make less money. Nobody. Nobody's going to do that. It's ridiculous. 
But if you give them less, they're more likely to go. So, with that, $1,200 stimulus check, unemployment coming to an end, see what Washington does. A lot of talk happening about it. Now, Democrats obviously want to throw trillions of dollars back at the problem and just kind of do this all over again. They want to do that until the election. That's, that's their plan. They want no accountability. They want no fiscal responsibility. They don't care whose grandkids is going to be paying the tab for this or how inflation will negatively affect people in the future. Democrats, dealing with Democrats, it's like dealing with, with a 10-year-old. It's like dealing with P. Diddy in, in some cases. P. Diddy will ask me on a regular basis to use my debit card or my credit card to buy something on Fortnite. To buy something on the PS4, okay? Because most of these games you can buy with real money. They're fake money and then purchase stuff in the game. Outfits, guns, whatever. Every single day he asked me. Now if he had any sort of fiscal responsibility about him or knew the impacts of what the bank account would look like two weeks from now if we did spend... 40 and $50 every day on a video game. He wouldn't ask. He wouldn't try to do that. Democrats are the same way. They don't care what happens two decades from now. They don't care what the economy looks in 10, 20 years. It's all about right now. It's not their $3 trillion. We just want to Stroke the check. Pat our own pockets. Pat our, our pet projects. Pay off the people that have promised us they will vote for us. And move on. That's going to be my new analogy. That Democrats are basically 10-year-olds on a PlayStation 4. I think that's probably the best analogy I've ever come up with. The Chinese embassy in Houston, Texas. Been hearing a lot about that today, too. I don't have an article on it in front of me, but... Da, 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 just double-checking. I'm going to run off of memory for this. This Chinese embassy that was shut down by the State Department just yesterday or two days ago, um, they called into the evening and said, Hey, shut it down. You guys have got some shady stuff going on. The Chinese nationals at that embassy, consulate, they started burning documents. And everybody's like, well, what in the world's in those documents? Why y'all burn them? Obviously some shady stuff. Whatever they were doing that raised the suspicions of the State Department enough to shut it down, it was in those documents. That's why they were getting rid of it. Now we're starting to hear reports and rumors that they were committing sort of espionage and, and, and really aiding and abetting these riots that have been burning our cities across the country. I talked about this when, when it first we first got the news they were shutting it down. These countries want to destroy the U.S., but they want to do it from within. They don't want to drop a bomb or send their army in or, or do another Pearl Harbor or any of that. They want to destroy us within. They want us to destroy ourselves. That goes for China. That goes for Russia. That goes for the Middle East. All of them. They want us to destroy ourselves. So if they can get in 
inside the borders of this country and promote that, they're all over it. So in some way, and I don't have details on this, they were promoting and facilitating these riots across the country. They were killing people, damaging property, literally burning cities. And they're continuing to go on as we speak. You saw Portland, Oregon. We're on day like 70 or 80 or 90 of protests going on there. And there's no sign of stopping. If there were some leadership there, you could probably get it to stop. But there's not. There's leadership in Washington. And and they've said, hey, if you'll just give us a green light, we can totally... Put an end to this. You just gotta give us the word, and we'll send, we'll send our 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 Trump soldiers, as the left calls them. But it was all it was all epitomized with the event last night when the mayor of Portland goes to the protest to speak with the protesters, and I'm I'm being extremely generous. Extremely generous calling these people protesters. He goes and joins in on this night of chaos. And people start booing and hissing and really almost assaulting him and beating the crap out of him. And it all ends in a beautiful display of the mayor being hit with tear gas. (laughs) People are screaming, quit your job. Calling him all kinds of names. This is, oh, I just love it. I love it. The same thing happened in Minneapolis. You remember, it was not long after George Floyd, which, hey, by the way, we're finding out what we said here on this podcast early on in that investigation. George Floyd likely died from all the drugs in his system and not the knee on his neck. But that's another story. Happened in Minneapolis where they had thousands and thousands of people pack the streets. The mayor... The mayor comes up to the front of the crowd where they're doing this little rally and the speaker, whoever it was, said, we only want to know one thing from you. The election's coming up and this is the most important issue. Will you defund and abolish the police? And they hand him the microphone and he's like, I can't defund and abolish the police. They shamed the crap out of the guy as he had to walk blocks and blocks through that crowd. They even took his face mask away on his way out. He had a I can't breathe face mask. (laughs) It was such a beautiful sight. It was almost it was almost poetic. But Portland, we remember how bad Minneapolis was. After the first few days, it looked like Afghanistan. Portland is looking the same way now. They set a federal courthouse on fire. They are literally destroying the city, trying to set up new autonomous zones, new chops, if you will. And it's only going to get worse. But best of luck to them. Also, I'm still waiting for somebody to let me know when that happens in a Republican-led city. I'm I'm waiting to to see chaos erupt in a Republican-led city just so I can see what that Republican mayor or uh, Republican governor does in response to it. 
and how long it takes to fix that problem. But I'll wait. I got all the time in the world. You don't worry about it. Just let me know. AOC taking the House floor today to accuse a GOP rep of calling her a blank and blank. That's right. Called her an effing B word. Yeah. She went into great detail. She said... She said um, that Ted Yoho put his finger in her face and called her disgusting and dangerous, as well as many other things. Um, I will not refer to AOC as an effing B-word, but I will refer to her as rude, dangerous, disgusting, and all those other adjectives. That's an adjective, right? Is that, is it a verb? I don't know. She has all those things. So technically, he's kind of right. But that's got a, that's got AOC, another point in the social justice warriors column. Because she used it to grandstand and talk about how women on a large scale in this country are treated that exact way every single day. And with him calling her those names, and I haven't seen footage or anything of him saying these. I'm not saying he didn't. I'm just saying I haven't seen proof of it. That women deal with this all the time, and that for him doing that to her, him saying those words to her was basically him saying those words to every congresswoman, every uh, female senator on Capitol Hill. So, which I think is maybe a little unfair since Every female congressman or, uh, I'm sorry, congresswoman or female senator is not a socialist psychopath. But I digress. So that's out there. We'll probably be talking about that tomorrow on Talk 99.5. What else? What else? What else we got? I'm looking. I'm looking. I heard the Washington Redskins have come up with their name change for the 2020 season. And their decision was to make no no change. Well, they did make a change, but they didn't pick a new name. So they're going with the Washington football team. <laughs> this is so ridiculous. So, I I've, sometimes I think about this and I'm like, I wonder if 2012 me were able to show up here today in 2020. Eight years later, Look at the news headlines. Like pull up the Drudge Report and just look at the headlines of the day. What would 2012 me say? I've thought about that a lot. And 2012 me would probably say something along the lines of, <laughs> you are just messing with me. This ain't even real. Tell me really, what's going on in the news? Like seriously. I need to get back to 2012. There's a possibility Obama's going to serve four more years. Tell me, the, tell me the real headline. No, no, no 2012, Andrew. That's actually it. We're dealing with a global pandemic, and the only way to be safe from the virus is to go out and protest the abolition of police. It's the only way you're safe. That's what's happening in 2020. No way. No way. Well, who's running for president? 
You remember the guy from The Apprentice, Donald Trump? He's president right now, and he's running against Joe Biden. Oh, well, that's original. Joe Biden. I gotta have a, an entire conversation between myself and 2020, 2012 myself and 2012 me. Uh, that's about all we've got for big headlines. I, there's a lot talking to talk about about Kanye. That whole thing is getting more and more bizarre by the day. I'll probably break that down on 99.5 tomorrow or even talk about it tomorrow night on tomorrow night's podcast. Um, another big story and. I could spend another hour on this topic is the lawsuit over sexual harassment coming from Tucker Carlson at Fox News. This is Kathy Aryu. Aryu. I can't, I don't, I don't know how to pronounce her name. So this Kathy lady, y'all probably see me tweet about her. She's suing Fox News, suing Tucker Carlson, suing Sean Hannity, uh, uh, over sexual harassment. Now, this lady has done nothing but praise Tucker in the, the past. She's been a regular guest on Tucker's show, and she's been one of the uh, the liberal voices that they bring in on the show, right? So I don't think she's an actual Fox News employee. She's just like a contributor. But she's done it a lot. She's been I've seen her on the show several times. So she files this lawsuit, and now there's articles all over the place. I haven't seen the actual filing the lawsuit itself but what i'm hearing is that there's inconsistencies coming up left and right on this chick's um this chick's lawsuit they're saying new emails that have been obtained by mediaite shed further light on the case in a lawsuit filed monday in the southern district of new york she claims she was harassed by carlson hannity and other employees of the network and that she was largely barred from appearing after she declined their advances. In an initial response, the company said the claims were completely false. Over the last several days, records of this chick's appearances on the network and other publicly available information has undermined some of her new claims. New emails between her and the network's employees seem to add to those concerns. Even more significantly... Eyewitness accounts indicate Carlson's wife was with him on a key evening when she said Carlson promised her he would be alone. She says she was a relatively regular... Now, this is moving over to Sean Hannity. She was a regular guest on Sean Hannity's primetime show until March 8th, 2018. She said, quote, On that day, Mr. Hannity, on set and in front of the entire studio crew and completely unsolicited, threw $100 on the set desk. He then began calling out to the men in the room and demanding that someone ask Miss Kathy out on a date for drinks at Del Frisco's. He repeatedly yelled, Who wants to take her on a date? Take her on a date to Del Frisco's. She said she was completely mortified, and made clear that she was incredibly uncomfortable with Mr. Hannity's misogynistic behavior by quietly pleading with one of, it, one of her friends in the room to accept the money so that the humiliation would end. Thankfully, none of the staff, none of the staff cooperated. Apparently, nobody wanted to, um, nobody wanted to take her out on a date. That's odd. 
I know. Emails provided by Fox News and reviewed by the outlet appear to show that the male friend of Kathy referenced that she referenced in that claim actually came to the set that evening at her invitation. She said, is it okay for me to bring a guest? She wrote to an, uh, in an email to a staffer earlier that day referring to the guest as Alex. She said, he's my good luck charm. He does yoga, very calming. I run. I'm nuts. True. Uh, before signing the email with a winking emoji face in her name. The staffer replied, haha, of course, no problem at all. We'll add him to the security list. According to Fox News, which hired an outside law firm to investigate her allegations, Hannity offered her and her friend $100 to get drinks next door at Del Frisco's after the appearance. She then apparently sent two emails thanking Hannity and his staff. The first at 10.37 in the evening said, Thanks so much for having me on. Way too much fun. The second sent at 6.39. The next morning included a picture of a martini she said she bought at Del Frisco's. It said, quote, please thank Sean for a fun evening. He shouldn't have, but we did exactly as he and Alex's had bet. We did exactly as he and Alex's had bet. Down to the pineapple martini. I don't know really what that means, but I, I'm reading these emails here. Uh, her lawsuit claims she believed the incident resulted in her being barred from future appearances. She said after that incident and uh, Miss Kathy's failure to play along... She was hardly ever, if ever at all, invited back to appear on Hannity on the Fox News channel. According to Fox News, its records indicate she appeared on Hannity a total of nine times between the date of the alleged incident and July 3rd, 2019. Of that number, Fox said five appearances took place in the four months directly after the incident. A search by the media outlet confirmed that she appeared repeatedly on the show following the alleged incident, both with Hannity and guest host. The network claimed that one, that that on one of those uh, uh, subsequent appearances, she thanked Hannity again for the drinks and gave, and he again gave her the same. He gave her and the same friend money for another round. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Now, I'm not going to go, just because we're out of time, I'm not going to go through Tucker Carlson's allegations, but that's something we'll talk about on ter Terrestrial Radio tomorrow, and uh, we'll talk about a little bit tomorrow night's podcast as well, I'm sure. But it shows how bogus this is. Let me tell you, I caught a lot of heat on Twitter, and I probably shouldn't be talking about this, but it was from a family member who found it extremely offensive that I was, quote-unquote, attacking this lady, right? And I I didn't attack her other than I called her a loon, which she is a loon. But it was all coming from a mindset of survivors have the right to be believed, which they do. But they don't have the right to only be believed by everybody. Because I don't believe her. Just like other people do believe her. Now that we're finding out this stuff, it's becoming more and more clear that it's a phony allegation. This is 
about silencing the guy that is running roughshod in prime time on cable news. Tucker is one of the most prominent conservative voices now, and they will do anything they possibly can to take this guy down. More of that on tomorrow night's podcast or whenever, sometime, we'll talk about it. Check out the social medias, you know it, at Andrew McLean Who on Twitter and Parlor, over the line on Facebook, and subscribe right here on YouTube if you're watching on YouTube. We need subscribers. Until next time, see you, Cole.